I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. In some cases, the Federal Bureau of Investigation will become involved in a missing person investigation. This is usually the case when it's believed the person may have crossed state lines or there is potential for a homicide investigation to follow. Local police may ask the FBI to assist them when the investigation becomes larger or more intense than first believed, and more than their resources will allow. The FBI have a list of those missing who are their top priority. This week... We will begin a series discussing some of these cases and what makes them mysteriously listed. Number 5. Sarah Burton 28-year-old Sarah Burton was last seen in the early hours of July 17, 2018, in Joplin, Missouri. Growing up, Sarah was a good student and a cheerleader. She was headed for college and all the successes in life. Unfortunately, after graduation, she was a victim of a violent crime, which led to a methamphetamine addiction to cope. In 2010, she would go on to serve a prison sentence on a drug charge. After this, Sarah was determined to remain clean and managed to hold down a job at a local cell phone repair shop for about a year. But domestic issues with the father of her children would eventually cost her this job and would lead her back to her old drug habits. Sarah had wrecked her car a few months earlier but on July 6, 2018, her father would buy her a second-hand SUV as to transport herself and her two young sons around in. However, on July 8, only two days later, she would get into her SUV and drive off, never to return. Her parents would report her missing the following day. This would be the last time her parents would see her. On July 11th, she would resurface after wrecking her SUV in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Her parents believe she did not return home because she was embarrassed about wrecking yet another car and she was trying to figure out how to fix it on her own. Now, Joplin, Missouri is known for its high crime level in particular violent crime. Despite the risk, a friend of Sarah's dropped her off after midnight at a service alley at 10th Street and Rex Avenue. 
She told him she was going to walk straight to her parents' home, where she was living at the time. She told him she was going to walk straight home. She never arrived and has not been heard from since. However, there is a potential sighting of Sarah several hours later. She is walking on the other side of town. However, without a vehicle to get her there, police do not believe this is a credible sighting. It wouldn't be until three days later after Sarah was last seen, on July 20th, that her friend would contact her parents, advising them that he could not find her, that he had her purse and one of her shoes in his car, but she was not returning his calls to retrieve them. At the time of her disappearance, Sarah was out on bail for more charges on drug possession, trafficking stolen identities, and stealing a motor vehicle. But she was planning on starting a long-term drug treatment program. She was attending all her court appearances, and her attorney was hopeful she would get a suspended sentence. Her parents do not believe she would run away from her problems, as she was facing them, and she was looking forward to a future with her boys. December 2018, four months after Sarah's disappearance, police twice searched a property where Sarah had been staying, but no evidence was found. And then in April 2019, a search warrant was issued on another property southeast of Joplin. Ownership of this property was not clear, even to the police, and how the tip was received again wasn't clear. But evidence was found. Again, what evidence that was, we don't know. But it was processed by the FBI, and if anything leads to anything, it was never released publicly. There are no suspects in Sarah's disappearance. The friend who was last seen with her that night has been fully cooperative with the police and the father of her children was incarcerated and is not considered a suspect. Sarah's sons ask about her every day. When is their mummy coming home? Sarah's parents do not believe that she is still alive and foul play is suspected. Sarah Burton was 28 years old at the time of her disappearance she was 5 foot 7 and between 160 to 170 pounds. She had long, straight brown hair and blue eyes. She was last seen wearing a purple and white blouse, blue jeans and black flats. If Sarah was still alive today, she would be 30 years old. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Number four, Wesley Morgan. At the time of his disappearance, four-year-old Wesley Morgan was living with his 19-year-old mother, Ruby Harvard, and her boyfriend, Burnell Hilton, in a home Hilton rented along US Highway 63, near Bluff Creek in Clinton, Louisiana. Harvard shared custody of Wesley with his father, Dewey Morgan. On May 15, 2001, just before 10am, Wesley was on the front porch playing with some puppies with Harvard leaving him there to go back inside to make something to eat. She would later report to the police she was only inside for a few minutes, but when she returned to the front porch, Wesley was nowhere to be seen. But instead of calling 911, she called the local jail for assistance. The community came out in abundance to help search for the missing child. Volunteers and police searched a two-mile radius around the home. They would search bodies of water, they would search on horseback and on four-wheelers to aid in the search for the missing toddler. Search dogs were brought in, but they could not pick up on Wesley's trail beyond the patio. This left investigators to believe that Wesley was carried from his spot and did not simply wander off. It would also be discovered that two of the puppies that Wesley was playing with had also disappeared. One would later be found not far away and across the highway from the home. But the other puppy was further away than Wesley could have possibly travelled on his own. However, the home was located at the end of a long gravel driveway with little traffic, meaning it is unlikely that someone could have drove there without being heard. Harvard would report that she did not hear anything unusual that morning. Almost immediately, suspicion was placed on Wesley's mother, Ruby Harvard, and her boyfriend, Burnell Hilton. They would agree for the home and surrounding property to be searched, and Hilton's truck would be examined, but there was no evidence that Wesley had been transported from his home on the morning of his disappearance. Rumours would spread that Harvard sold Wesley or gave him away to someone. Harvard and Hilton would be polygraphed and they would both fail, showing signs of deception. Hilton would be charged with murder the same year for an unrelated shooting that occurred in 1998. Harvard and Hilton both deny having any involvement in Wesley's disappearance. The couple would split a short time later. Several months after Wesley's disappearance, police received a tip that his remains were buried in a nearby parish. Remains were found, but when tested, the remains belonged to a dog. A psychic also came to law enforcement, saying she believed Wesley was buried on his mother's property. Since investigators had not received any tips in some time, another search was conducted, 
But no disturbed earth or any evidence that Wesley was buried there was found. Six years later, Harvard was arrested for trying to sell her unborn child to a couple in California for $2,000. She would plead not guilty and said that it was supposed to be an adoption and it went wrong. This was never proven given that it is illegal to accept monetary payment in exchange for a child. This child would later be placed in state care. In 2015, another search by the FBI was conducted in the woods and surrounding property of Wesley's home. But again, nothing would be found. 21 billboards would be erected with age-progressed photos of Wesley in hopes that someone would recognise him and call the hotline. Police have said that Wesley's father is not a suspect, but they believe that his mother and her boyfriend know what happened to him. They theorise that Wesley may have been sold and that he could be still alive and not know who he is. Wesley Morgan was two years old at the time of his disappearance. He was three foot and around 40 pounds. He was last seen wearing a grey Mickey Mouse shirt, blue shorts with a green stripe down the sides and sandals. He has blonde hair and blue eyes. If Wesley is still alive today, he would be 21 years old. Number 3. Christine Easton On January 18, 1971, 19-year-old Christine Easton called her friend Sandy to arrange a shopping trip. Sandy agreed, and the two headed to a local Mervyn's department store in a 1969 blue Ford Maverick that belonged to Christine's ex-boyfriend. He had lent the car to her for the day, so Christine could buy a pair of boots that she had been saving up for. After dropping off Sandy at 9.30pm, Christine made a quick trip back to her home in Haywood, California to take a shower. She then went out again to Charlie's car wash. In exchange for borrowing the car, Christine had promised her ex-boyfriend that she would wash it before coming to pick him up at the Jack in the Box restaurant where he worked. Christine would never arrive at the restaurant. Her ex-boyfriend would call Christine's parents' home to see if anyone knew where she was. Her family told him that Christine had left to meet him and that something must have happened to her if she did not arrive at the restaurant as planned. They went out to begin to search for her. In the early morning hours of July 19th, 1971, they found the maverick Christine had been driving still at the car wash, parked near the vacuums. There was no sign of Christine. Her scarf and purse was left on the front seat and papers that had been inside the car were scattered on the ground. 
And these papers would spark conversation on true crime and unsolved mysteries forums in the decades to come. At first glance, the papers seemed to be a sign of a struggle. However, at least one of the original police officers from the case theorised that the papers may have been scattered on purpose, as to appear as though there had been a struggle. Because of her age, police initially believed she may have left on her own accord. Her family was adamant, however, this would not be the case. This was mainly because all of Christine's belongings were left in the car or at their home. She was also enrolled in classes at the local college and was due to start a new job at a bank the day after she went missing that she was very excited about. And besides, Christine wasn't the type of person to leave her family and not be in contact with them for long periods of time. She was always checking in with them to let them know that she was okay. Christine's family theorised that her kind nature and beautiful appearance may have made her a target of a predator. Christine's case would go cold for decades. However, in 2019, the local media ran a story which prompted a new witness to finally come forward. The witness hadn't realised what he was seeing at the time, but he had unknowingly witnessed Christine being abducted by two men in a white Ford van with very distinctive side mirrors, sometimes called West Coast mirrors. One man was in the driver's seat, and the other was putting the girl in the back of the van. Now, the witness only saw the man putting Christine in the van from behind, but he did get a passing glance at the driver of the van. In September 2019, police would release a sketch of the van's driver, created with the help of the new witness. They hoped that the sketch would help investigators and Christine's family to finally get the answers to the oldest missing persons case in Haywood history. Even though it has been nearly 50 years since Christine went missing, there is still a $50,000 reward for information into Christine's case. Christine Easton was 19 years old at the time of her disappearance. She was five foot seven and around 110 pounds with blonde hair and blue eyes. Christine was last seen wearing a black or brown leather coat, black boots, blue slacks, a red, white and blue pinstriped tunic and a bluish gold scarf. If Christine was still alive today, she would be 68 years old. Number 2. Ariana Fitz During November 2015, 32-year-old Nicole Fitz needed to move out of her apartment. So she started working overtime, overnight shifts, to save money for a deposit on a new place. Nicole was forced to crash on a friend's sofa during the week and then commute two hours to work at Best Buy in San Francisco, California. 
It was during this time Nicole would leave her daughter, two-year-old Ariana Fitz, with babysitters, Helena Martin and Ciolo Hearn. In an attempt to give her daughter some stability, the trio had an informal babysitting arrangement, but this came to an end when Nicole's co-worker, Golette Williams, invited the mother and daughter to move into her apartment, which was closer to Nicole's workplace. Helena and Ciolo were reluctant to return the toddler, though. Nicole contacted them in mid-March 2016 to pick up Ariana. She was unpleasantly surprised to find Helena and Ciolo had taken Ariana to Disneyland without her permission. Now, obviously, Nicole was keen to have her daughter back in her care, so on the night of April 1st, 2016, Nicole withdrew $600 from an ATM and told Golette, quote, I have to meet my babysitter. She's over at some restaurant on 3rd Street. She's upset and I need to see if she is okay, unquote. Nicole told Golette she would only be gone a few minutes. Golette woke up the following morning to an empty house and a text message from Nicole saying she was driving to Fresno with someone named Sam. This confused Golette because Nicole had never mentioned anyone named Sam before. Golette asked for more details, but Nicole never responded. Then at 1.13am on April 2nd, someone posted on Nicole's Facebook, quote, Spending time with my three-year-old, need this break, unquote. Ariana was two at the time of her disappearance, and break was spelt incorrectly as B-R-A-K-E, two mistakes friends of Nicole have said that she would never make. Nicole did not return home and she never showed up for work. By April 5th, her friends and family were extremely worried and they contacted the police. Nicole's younger sister, Tess, suspected Helena and Ciolo immediately. She theorised they had blackmailed Nicole into withdrawing the money and said, quote, I would not be surprised if they were, like, give us the money you owe us and we'll bring you your kid, unquote. She also noted that many people were commenting on the missing persons post about Nicole and Ariana, but not once did Helena and Ciolo comment. Tess actually drove to their home several times in an unsuccessful attempt to find them. This would go on for about a week, but on April 8th, the family received the worst news possible. Nicole's body was found in a shallow grave in John McLaren Park. She was curled up in the fetal position and covered with a piece of plywood. The plywood had strange markings on it, and it was the belief of investigators that Nicole's killer or killers brought the plywood with them. The investigators released a photo of the plywood in hopes someone would recognise the markings. There was no sign of Ariana, though, after extensive searches of the area. Suspicion now fell on Helena and Ciolo, 
especially after it was discovered that Helena had served six years in jail for killing the father of her children in 2001. Investigators told the media both Helena and Ciolo were uncooperative with the investigation and they provided inconsistent statements. Three homes owned by the pair and their family were searched and they seized more than 30,000 pieces of evidence but still no sign of Ariana. A month after Nicole's body was found, there had yet to be any arrests. Nicole's employer Best Buy put up a $10,000 reward for information leading to the recovery of Ariana Fitz. Sadly, in the years that have passed, the reward remains unclaimed and Ariana remains a missing person and Ariana remains a missing person's case and her mother Nicole's murder remains unsolved. Ariana Fitz was two years old at the time of her disappearance. She was two foot tall and weighed about 45 pounds. She is African-American with black hair and brown eyes. If Ariana is still alive today, she would be six years old. Number one, Myra Lewis. March 1st, 2014, at around 10.30am, two-year-old Myra Lewis and one of her sisters were playing in the front yard. Their mother, Erica, called out to the siblings to go inside to her husband, Gregory, who was tending to their youngest child, a one-month-old girl. Not long after this, Erica went to the local store, each parent believing that Myra was with the other, and it would be at least an hour before it was discovered that Myra was nowhere to be found. An Amber Alert would not be issued until the following day, but at this stage, family, friends and police had searched extensively for the little girl. From 3pm on the day Myra went missing, Gregory searched on ATVs and with the family's dog. Police canine search dogs also searched the property surrounding the family's home, as well as the pond across the street but there was no sign of the little girl. On March 10, 2014, the FBI became involved with the investigation and they posted a $20,000 reward for information leading to Myra's whereabouts. Three days later, on March 13, the pond across the street from the Lewis family home was dragged a second time, but again nothing was found. In April of 2014, Sheriff Randy Tucker held a press conference about Myra's abduction in the hopes of sparking new interest in the case. He said, quote, We need the help. We're asking you guys to keep the story alive and keep her picture out there. When you start getting tips from a broader area, you have to give some credence to the possibility she could be in another state or another part of the country, unquote. Later in the October, numerous psychics came forward and filed reports with the Madison County Sheriff's Department, and all of these leads were investigated. 
Unfortunately, to nothing, however. One of the final updates available in this case came on November 21, 2014, when another press conference was held to simply report there were no new leads. And that's when the case went cold. In May of 2019, Sheriff Tucker said in an interview on the fifth anniversary of the disappearance, quote, The leads were followed and interviews were done. It's extremely frustrating five years later that we have to stand here and tell you we are no closer to finding Myra than we were on that day, unquote. The home where Myra was taken is now vacant, with the family leaving with no forwarding address. Sheriff Tucker has even gone on record by saying that even if something was to come out of the investigation, they wouldn't know how to contact the family. Sheriff Tucker has said he won't give up on finding the little girl, though, and will continue to search for her and fight to keep her name alive. At the time of her disappearance, Myra Lewis was two years old. She was an African-American girl with black hair and brown eyes. She was two foot ten and about 27 pounds. Myra was last seen wearing a turquoise sweater with a bear on the front, off-white or khaki pants and pink sneakers. If Myra is still alive today, she would be eight years old. Do you have something you would like to see mysteriously listed? Do you have a particular theme that interests you? Message us on Facebook at Mysteriously Listed and on Twitter at Mysterious List. If you like what you have heard today, we would love for you to share this episode on your social media of choice. And if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, we would appreciate it if you could leave a positive review and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Research, additional writing and hosting is by me, Ali. Music is by Mayu. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.